This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on all the socials at Salad Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L galore. It is great to be here with you all talking about this 2024 rookie class in the thick of this offseason period. Over the last couple of weeks, really the last month, I have covered the all-star pro games, the pre and post coverage players that I was expecting things from, as well as kind of how things turned out. A little bit of a boring game, to be honest with you, with the Senior Bowl. Not that they are very exciting to start out with, but practice did give us a lot of insights into what to expect over the next month, as you all know, as we get through February now post Super Bowl and start to kind of dive really into this offseason period, the first thing to check off all the boxes on is free agency and the actual pro players that are needing to either be retained, let go or brought in from other teams to fill in the roster holes after the 2023 season. In this process, of course, as I said, I wasn't quite done with the 2023 rookie class. I kind of wanted to dive in this week to talk about, how do I want to phrase this? Basically, the one-and-done capability for a lot of these players in the 2023 rookie class that didn't perform quite up to expectations or potentially did perform up to expectations based off of the roster holes and kind of looking at what the offseason has entailed for the teams, the current cap situation these players are looking at that may either allude to the fact that their teams will be bringing in prominent competition for them or kind of rewrite the fact where they're safe. They are the best candidates in the class to have that post-hype sleeper mentality coming into the sophomore year. It's a buzzword, buzzfraid in terminology I don't really like because you shouldn't be post-hype sleeping someone after the rookie season. A lot can go down with a lot of different variable factors leaning into it, but that's the terminology we like to talk about. And so today I'm going to cover 14 players off of the 2023 rookie class, give you an outlook as to what their team needs look like. Um, I've kind of touched on quite a few of these based off of my end of season show as well from last season as to what went wrong or why they finished where they finished. We're going to look at the cap. The team needs a free agent player that I'm the most concerned about or will vastly affect their overall value in 2024 more so. And then also diving a little bit into what the rookie class could do for their competition as well. Without further ado, we can just kind of dive into this episode, y'all. There is only one quarterback of note. I'm not going to talk about Bryce Young because that entire situation was kind of a shit show. But there is a a quarterback in Tennessee with the name of Will Levis, uh, a fan favorite of Mr. Memphis Young here on the DWZ Network. Not so much of myself, but he did not have what we would call a good 
fantasy season. There was a lot of hype after his first game where he finally got in and broke in with the Ryan Tannehill injury. But lo and behold, didn't turn out long-term very well. Positional average points per game. He was ranked 37th among starting quarterbacks with at least one start. Not very good. Average just under 12 points per game over the course of the last seven that he played in the season. Um, the team in Tennessee is kind of in shambles. A surprise let go of Mike Vrabel leads to kind of a regime change and identity change and not a lot of weapons to really fill in or tell you what's going to happen with this team going forward. So that is both good and bad for the two Tennessee players that I'm going to bring up back to back here. Um, but when it comes to the quarterback position, the team itself needs still on paper, a viable quarterback, multiple viable offensive linemen and multiple viable wide receivers. The wide receiver core is one of the worst in the league right now. Traylon Burks just has not been it. The offensive line also one of the worst in the league right now. And as of what we saw on paper with Will Levis last <laughs> last year, potentially one of the worst starters in the league currently on the roster. Um, luckily, going into free agency, the Tennessee Titans do have that $68 million cap capabilities. They're currently leading the NFL in projected cap space based off of contracts currently on the books. And there could be specifically in my eyes, one free agent that is money chasing more so than anyone else this offseason that is kind of the ideal fit here. Now, does he want to go here with the potential of it being a very bad situation just for the money? I don't know. But the player that I think has the potential to save and elevate Will Levis's game more so than anyone else is Mike Evans out of Tampa Bay. He's kind of forcing his way out there. The projected value of him on the market, all the reports have been somewhere in between the 25 and $30 million range on free agency. And he's the type of big body, true X wide receiver on the outside that Will Levis would need to succeed. Now, is that the only player they can bring in and the only player that can elevate his stock? No, but he is the most noteworthy. And so in my players to watch category that we're going to bring up here today for the 14 players I want to talk to you about, that's what we're looking at. Mike Evans is the ultimate game changer and game factor that you have to associate with success for Will Levis. Um, I think it's likely the landing spot he's going to choose. He already has a Super Bowl ring with his time in Tom Brady. Winning has been eluding him for a large majority of his year, but he has never truly gotten the success and the recognition that he wanted from a monetary standpoint, his entirety of his career with what has been without a doubt, a hall of game career for Mike Evans in terms of counting stats. Now, a lot can happen here in the free agency period, as well as the draft. And when talking about the draft, there is a prospect that has both been linked and that would come in and fill in that underneath role, especially if they were to bring in a big body guy like Mike Evans on offense, that I think makes a ton of sense. And that is Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers has been linked multiple times to Tennessee already. Will Levis has said that if he wants anyone to be drafted to the team, it's Brock Bowers. Tight end, although they have Chickaquanko, you could run a lot of two tight end sets if they're looking to keep and carry over that physical mentality of the team that variable had started. It's the type of position that would bring in the most value immediate return. And when it comes to pairing what you already have with Burks, pairing what you already have with the next guy, I want to talk about Tajay Spears on the list, as well as the potential incumbent Mike Evans. I think it's the best chance of success for Will Levis. Unfortunately, my prediction on this is that Will Levis is not going to be one of those post-height sleepers. I think he's taken the L in this category, and I think they're going to try to piecework this offense together. But with the 
current changes and current outlook of the team. There's not enough money to fill all the holes this season. There's not enough draft capital to fill all the holes this season. So lots of concern all around for the Tennessee Titans in terms of Will Levis riding the ship by himself. But a player that can help right the ship and kind of eliminate a lot of holes that you may see is if you start to dive in and look at Ty J Spears, the running back in Tennessee, if he starts to get the lion's share of the carries, if they truly let Derrick Henry walk, which is my player to watch here, Ty J Spears walks in and immediately becomes a top probably 15 RB in the league based off of volume stats, based off of production and pass game capabilities. If he can take the next step in the pass game with this offense, then they start actively looking for him. I think it's something that could be very good. Again, this is a pretty good free agency running back class is what I will say. Uh, Derek Henry is my player to watch, like I said, and he had basically already said goodbye to the team. There's some factors that could bring him back, but ultimately I think he's looking for the biggest pay grade that he can get at the tail end of his career, or he wants to actually win, which might be the larger driver. And there's a lot of situations I would rather be if I was Derek Henry, if I'm looking for a win now team than Tennessee right now, Tajay Spears, Lots of upside. I think his upside is fully dependent on if they bring Derrick Henry back more so than anything else. But the draft is also a situation that you have to be paying attention to. And they like the big grinded out bangers. Having a volatile one-two punch between a speedster and a physical back is something that makes a lot of sense as well. And just with the culture that we've seen in Tennessee, the overall play style that we've seen for a very long time, even before Vrabel, over the last two head coaching things, there's two running backs I'm paying attention to post-free agency that I think would fill the void pretty well here, and that would either be Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin or Audrey Esteem out of Notre Dame. Both of these backs are big thumpers, big boys that could give you the classic lightning and thunder combo that they had even back in the day with DeMarco Murray and what we saw with Derrick Henry over the last, I don't know, half a decade basically of just complete dominance from him this is a situation where i don't think the draft capital is going to be allocated towards the running back position i've been wrong with tennessee quite a bit though because they do some weird stuff in the draft that a lot of people don't typically expect but with a positional average points per game of 43 last year at the running back position for tajay spears there's almost no way i don't see him doubling that if not tripling that into the top 15 range to be a viable fantasy star. He is my highest guy on the list to be considered a post-hype sleeper outside of one wide receiver later on that we'll talk about. But this Tennessee offense in general should be pretty fascinating to watch develop. And I think the first two dominoes to fall to help that are watching what happens with Derrick Henry in free agency and leaving and watching if they can secure the services of one Mike Evans down in Nashville. So moving away from the Tennessee Titans, I feel like 10 minutes is plenty on two players from there. Let's talk about a Jacksonville Jaguar running back, Mr. Tank Bixby. Um, a lot of hype based off of a lot of depression in the perceived value of Travis Etienne last year. Everyone that was in on Tank Bixby looks pretty bad right now. And there's no one really owning the fact that a lot of you were way higher on Tank Bigsby in that situation than it probably justified being based off of draft capital and overall outlook. Jacksonville Jaguars still have needs when it comes to offensive needs of offensive line, running back and wide receiver, though they are still looking for that big bodied running back. So if you can prove that you can actually pass block and not fumble the ball, Mr. Tank, then you can have success here. 
but I'm not 100% positive that it's something that we are going to see long term. Unfortunately, when you're looking at the overall outlook of what they can do in free agency, I don't think that there's a lot of chance that they spend money at the running back position. They could bring in a vet minimum type contract with a big bruiser to just kind of fill in those needs. There's a lot of guys floating around the league that can fill that role, but they only have $11 million in projected cap space. That's without Calvin Ridley on the books, who they realistically may be franchising or signing to a two-year deal at above probably market mid-average. So looking at Tank Bigsby, he does have a avenue to actually fill that role here, but I'm not positive that it's something that he is going to be able to basically do very easily. Um, when you start to look at this class at the running back position, there's not a ton of speed, but there are a lot of power type backs, ISO type backs, and goal line type backs to look at. So in the same lieu as Tajay Spears, I think that both Braylon Allen as well as bringing in a guy like Cody Schrader out of Mizzou later on, maybe one of the best things that this offense could do. I think that that late running back pick is something that Jacksonville has shown the propensity to do a lot over the last half decade. And I expect that to continue pretty much every year. You see these guys cycling through these big backs that everyone's like, Oh, someone's going to get some carries. Someone's going to take some value from Etienne. Going to believe it when I see it. I do think that tank has taken the L though. I think that there is, been no no glimmers of hope is basically what I would say based off of his overall tape. Um, that vanilla jack-of-all-trades kind of moniker that he had in my evaluation of him last year looks like it is a C-tier version of a jack-of-all-trades, so very, very average in terms of the NFL, and his fumbling and yips are really just working his way out of it. Um, he actually did not have a seasonal finish inside the top 105 running backs <laughs> from a points per game average, meaning he averaged under a point per game, um, not looking great for his upside. And he is not a guy I'm attaching myself to a post hype sleeper to. On to another running back and one that I have paid a lot of attention to is Mr. Roshan Johnson in Chicago. Um, a running back that was pretty high on a lot of people's lists. I wasn't super high on him, and it was mainly due to the fact of he really was not able to take a lion share. And I understand that Bijan Robinson was there, but we kind of saw the exact same deficiencies. He didn't really do anything exceptionally well. He was a below average pass blocker, a below average pass catcher, and he didn't quite have wiggle to get out of tackles in the NFL like he did in college. And that's due to the speed parameters. He's not as fast as people were assuming or hoping he was going to be. It didn't translate very well in year one. And he had opportunities galore to get the lion's share of the carries with multiple running back injuries in Chicago. And they just kept bringing in street free agents, giving them carries over giving Roshan the full workload. Also dealt with injuries. And when you couple that with the fact that they are both transitioning away from Justin Fields inevitably at the quarterback position, as well as bringing in a rookie. They're going to need to bolster this running back position, either via draft or free agency. With the current depth in free agency, um, the name that's linked a lot right now is Saquon Barkley, but I really like the concept of bringing in Josh Jacobs into this rushing offense for Chicago, having a tried and true guy 
paying him good solid market value starter money to come in and be your RB one with a rookie quarterback. I think inevitably they are going to bring in a high end running back in free agency with the 47, almost $50 million in cap space, not a ton of needs on offense outside of wide receiver and running back. They're going to be shoring up wide receiver in the draft inevitably. And odds are they're not bringing in a T Higgins, a Michael Pittman, a Calvin Ridley, those type of guys, they'll probably go into the middle market. Um, a guy I really like here to fit in would be like Curtis Samuel out of Washington. I think that could be really fun. And I will talk about that a little bit more at the wide receiver position of a rookie from last year. But for me, Roshan hits the L again, ranked 53rd among all viable running backs at the points per game average, just didn't cut it, didn't get the workload and odds are Herbert still sticks around. So he then gets delegated to RB three on the Chicago bears offense. And it's not outlook that I want. If they were to go with the running back position in the draft, I think it would be a very, very late value type pick. I think you would be looking more so to bring in a burner to hopefully replace Khalil Herbert, most likely next year. Um, in free agency after bringing in a big guy a big signing but i don't see a double dip happening most likely in free agency and in the draft for chicago at the running back position uh moving on to the wide receiver position we can just talk about the one that i was talking about that's mr tyler scott the fourth round pick for chicago Massive needs at the wide receiver position, massive changes to this offense, most likely coming with what they're wanting out of their players. And there's almost no way that Tyler Scott is able to climb up that depth chart. There will be a free agent acquisition and there will be a overall uh, draft acquisition at wide receiver, probably pretty high. If they don't take one at nine, I'd be pretty shocked. And if they were to not bring in one in free agency, i.e. a guy like Curtis Samuel is the prime candidate to be that true flanker role. That'll immediately move Tyler Scott to most likely the fourth option in the passing game from the wide receiver position, not even including Cole Komet or the running back. So he's a guy that I think has taken an L across the bow. He again ranked outside of the top 105, the only wide receiver on the list to rank outside of that just at just under two points per game played. Um, didn't see a lot of target, didn't see a lot of work, was inactive a lot and just didn't ultimately work out. He's got speed for days, but he's got a lot to work on. So if they don't bring in a speedster, they may have more faith in him than I do. I just don't foresee it happening. Another wide receiver of note, Mr. Quentin Johnson, probably the biggest um, question mark and biggest bust of the rookie campaign. Lots of needs on that charger offense right now. Unfortunately, lots and lots of financial cuts that they are going to need to make. They're currently $45 million over the cap as it stands with the current contract. Six mainstays, two at wide receiver, two at D-end. There's a lot of big contracts that they can get out of that they're going to have to make some important decisions on. They still lean towards that defensive end uh, defensive end of coaching, especially with bringing in Jim Harbaugh. I expect the cuts to most likely be on the defensive side, and that's why I'm giving the L. The player to watch here is Mike Williams. If they were to let Mike Williams go, I'd have a lot more confidence in the overall outlook for a guy like Quentin Johnson on the outside in this team, but I don't foresee that coming. That contract is less get-outable as opposed to a guy like Keenan Allen, who's also older. I think they would keep the two big guys, bring in a guy like Malik Neighbors in the first, who can actually work underneath and then you have a new passing game with a big bodied guy who has a lot to prove a guy that's super shifty to replace Keenan and Mike Williams coming back off an injury. Uh, Quentin Johnson on the season ended as 87th 
wide receiver in average points per game. That's about what I expected. I didn't think the career was going to go very well for him early, but there's a lot of question marks at the offensive line, wide receiver, and tight end position on this offense. A lot of holes to fill, like I said, and I don't think moving on from a Quentin Johnson or completely eradicating your plans for a guy like Quentin Johnson is the best move to do. I do think he takes an L. I don't think it's a huge value up increase, but I do want to keep the caveat that I think he's going to be a starting wide receiver set type of player next year. Whether or not that is good or bad for Herbert, that is still to be seen. A guy who had a lot of its success in the NFL as a true rookie, but has a lot of question marks based off of this offensive outlook going into next season is Zay Flowers. Um, the main question and concern we had is, can he be a wide receiver one? Can he get the target share? Towards the end of the season, it was only Zay and only Mark Andrews that were getting these looks. He ended up finishing the season as wide receiver 31 in half PPR, but the question mark is still underneath. The biggest glaring need on this team based off of injuries and just how they want to play is the running back position. They have Gus Edwards, who's a free agent. J.K. Dobbins should most likely not be coming back next season. So what does that leave you with? That ends up leaving you with a big hole at running back, only seven mil to bring someone in currently. Some cuts could be made, but there's some bigger free agency. I expect either a true vet, an older guy like a Derrick Henry or an Austin Eckler to come in in free agents. Those are my two biggest watchers at the running back position. I don't think they have the money to bring in one of the younger and successful guys in this offense or I expect an early round pick on a running back. This could be a team that could very, very easily bring in the top back in this year's draft. They could bring in a Braylon Allen. Trey Benson would be electric in this backfield with Lamar Jackson. Um, they are going to secure the RB position, which means if it is a pass catcher, which why wouldn't they? That's the type of mold that they've gone after multiple times, including Keaton Mitchell, Justice Hill, J.K. Dobbins. I expect a guy to come in, compete for those underneath targets with Zay, and they still have to fill in this wide receiver position because they're not bringing Odell back based off of that value that he had. He caught, I believe, 22 passes for $18 million, almost a million dollars per pass. Not going to cut it at the wide receiver position. Mark Andrews is getting older, so there's some question marks as to how they're going to fill out this staff. I don't think it's going to be status quo. There's going to be a lot of draft picks and cheap free agents coming in. Someone's going to step up most likely, but they have to make the striking deal at running back or wide receiver. I just think it's the running back. So I don't think he finishes as wide receiver 31 like he did this offseason. He's going to be in that 40 to 50 range, most likely what we were seeing from a guy like Rashad Bateman over the last couple of years. So expect to see pretty similar production, but a little bit of a downtick in targets going into 2024 for a guy like Zay Flowers. <clears throat> in terms of who they could fill in for the role at wide receiver in the draft, they have enough of the small guys. They're the prime candidate for me to bring in a guy like Johnny Wilson out of Florida State. They need a big dude on the outside who can catch and catch consistently, and that's the type of guy I would be targeting if I was Baltimore's head coach. Another wide receiver that saw quite a bit of success this last season, as well as in the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl, Mr. Rasheed Rice for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is the wide receiver one on the Chiefs. Uh, a lot of question marks with Kelsey going into this offseason and a lot of question marks in general for offensive outproduction. There are a lot of cap moves the Chiefs need to make this offseason. Offensive line, they're going to need three starters. Wide receiver, they need at least another one. And tight end, they have to find the inevitable replacement to a guy like Travis Kelsey. Biggest question mark for me on players to watch are retaining their own talent on defense. It was the most dominant Kansas City Chiefs defense we had seen all season, or not all season, but basically the entire time underneath Andy Reid and letting the two studs on that defense go is not the way to continue that success. Chris Jones, 
Legarius Neat, both going to be paid as top five at their position, even based off of the age of Chris Jones, even based off of the depravity of the position at D tackle and DB. Lots of question marks as to how they're going to be able to do that. There's talks of Mahomes restructure again, but that would still just be pushing the problem down. You would have to take a pay cut as opposed to a restructure because as of right now, over the next four years, he's set to hit $57 million as a minimum number over the next four years when it comes to the cap hit. So question marks at wide receiver. They don't have the money to bring one in. They're going to have to retain their other ones. I think it's a W for Rasheed Rice. He's a guy that I would be actively and aggressively going after because he's just going to improve his rapport. He was very healthy this entire season. In 29, as the wide receiver finishes a rookie without those true high target totals, the sky is the limit for this guy. If he starts to get those higher echelon targets at the wide receiver position, what we were seeing with Tyreek, start to truly funnel the offense through him, I think that's success. I do expect the first round pick to be used on a wide receiver here or a tight end if for some reason Brock Bowers were to fall. But when it comes to the output and what to expect from this offense, very intrigued for Rasheed Rice's success in 2024. Looking at the another wide receiver in the AFC West, we're looking at Marvin Mims. Uh, Broncos in the same type of cap hell as LA and as uh, Buffalo here. They are $25 million over the cap projected on current contracts. Two of their larger contracts right now are on the offensive side of the ball. Russell Wilson would be a lot of dead money if they cut him, but it's most likely happening. I think they want to reset the clock here with the wide receiver position as well. So Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, both on larger contracts, expect both to be cut, most likely to save money on said contracts. So for me, Marvin Mims is a sneaky buy. He's probably the sneakiest buy in this offseason period. Uh, a lot of question marks. Sean Payton did not commit to him, did not commit to this offensive scheme, and did not commit to using him, even though he was showing great points per touch averages over the first month and a half of the season. Um, he could see a lot of success. He's got to stay healthy. That was the biggest concerns for him based off of his speed frame profile. But I think there's a lot of movement that's going to happen on this offense. Marvin Mims is one of the few cheap pieces they can retain. And if they do retain him, odds are it's meaning that Cortland Sutton is gone, Tim Patrick is gone, or Jerry Judy is gone, meaning a lot of influx. They're probably going to be drafting some more guys too, and this is a team that needs a true big outside wide receiver for the underneath type of stuff. Um, Roman Wilson would be pretty good here. They already have the true mover underneath in the form of Jerry Judy, who I think they will retain most likely. Um, so lots of question marks as to what they're going to do, but I think it's a dub for Marvin Mims. I think there's value to be had right now, specifically right now in trying to get him. Uh, if you can get him for like a late second and early third, that should be pretty easy to do. And that's kind of the range I'm looking at for a Mims because I've seen the success in the NFL. I just need to see a little bit higher of a workload. On the flip side of that coin is Jalen Hyatt in New York. They are $24 million in cap space, but there is no way that they do not bring in another player to fill the wide receiver holes on this team in New York. Terrible quarterback play, terrible wide receiver play, terrible offensive line play. They're going to lose the running back in Saquon Barkley this season. The offense is in shambles. I don't think that the current regime with the weapons and the tools to bring in more weapons is going to be able to successfully right the ship. And realistically, we may see them out of town and out of Dodge at the beginning of the 2025 season. But the player that makes the most sense with how they typically want to run their offense is Marquise Brown. He's a free agent. 
Arizona most likely does not retain him based off of the value that he's going to get in market. And this feels like the type of move that I see New York do all the time, even though we know it's not going to work and it's not the profile that they want or should bring in. Marquise Brown to there feels inevitable. He's the player I'm watching more so than anything. And if they were going to write the ship and were going to basically help Jalen Hyatt, they would draft a quarterback in the first. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to build that offensive line with a lot of their high draft picks. If they bring in anyone, it'll be a middle round wide receiver to truly compete. But we've seen it enough with the likes of Sterling Shepard, of Darius Slayton, of Jalen Hyatt, of Wondell Robinson. They like the small slot mold. They want a lot of slot wide receivers on the field at the same time it's the only one they ever draft is speed and smaller guys so i don't foresee jalen hyatt having a lot of avenues for success especially with just his lack of playing time that he had as a rookie dude just was not ready for the nfl it was the biggest concern i had for him based off of that tennessee offense and it was proven in spades last year that he needs time to succeed not a post type sleeper not a guy i'm heavily investing in and like I said, Marquise Brown just feels like a lock there. He finished the season as wide receiver 102 in average points per game in half PPR. That's about what I expect next year. Not a lot of upside, especially because those deep threat guys, if they have the elite game-changing capability, you see it immediately with those deep speed guys because you try to funnel the balls. It's what we saw with Marvin Mims. If we had seen flashes early on, like what we saw with Marvin Mims, I'd be inner and more invested in Jalen Hyatt, but I can't do it because it's just night and day based off of the production process profile and usage last year another rookie wide receiver that was raising up a lot of draft boards last offseason in lieu of the draft Jonathan Mingo went in the second round to Carolina his this is like the fascinating case of snap share versus production for me Jonathan Mingo averaged like 94 percent of the snaps for Carolina last year across the season he could not get the targets to be their wide receiver one, though. It just constantly kept going to Adam Thielen when healthy, DJ Shark when healthy. Jonathan Mingo was the third option, but he's just such a solid blocker, such a solid route runner that he it was used as a decoy in all <laughs> basically fascinations of uh, their mind. Like that's the only way that they used him in Carolina, which just didn't make sense. They have a lot of needs, offensive line, wide receiver, tight end in Carolina. They're going to completely reshape this offense. This is a team where if there was someone to come out of left field and try to aggressively get Michael Pittman, this feels like the team to me. Now, could they bring in a higher end wide receiver potentially, but they do actually have only $29 million in cap space. They don't have a first this year. They gave it to Chicago. So the arsenal of picks and money to bring in players in competition is not super high, but I strongly suspect they will use a large portion of this cap space that they have in 2024 to bring in a true wide receiver one. I think Jonathan Mingo is still a W. I think you're going to see Thielen move on. I think you're going to see DJ Chark move on. You're going to be left with Mingo and whoever they have, and then some rotational wide receivers for depth and for those journeyman guys later on. But this is a team where I might be buying into the dip on Jonathan Mingo. I'm still on the fence. He finished his 90th wide receiver in half points PPR game last year. And like I said, not not a ton of draft capital to bring in guys. This is a middle round to late round guy that they could bring in at the wide receiver position to truly compete and crush his stacks. But when it comes to the athletic profile, the overall snap share last year, I just don't see anyone that's a late round wide receiver coming in and taking snaps from him. You would have to see a Puka Nakuo type situation to truly steal a lot of his workload. And I just don't see it for 2024. So I'm buying the dip on Jonathan Mingo. 
three more, uh, sorry, two more wide receivers to talk about here. We got three players left. And one of them is one I didn't expect to really talk about that much. But the more I was thinking about it, the more concerned I am for Josh Downs' outlook. All offseason so far, and basically towards the tail end of the season, all we've heard out of Steichen's mouth in Indianapolis is we need to get Richardson better weapons. We need to get him more options. All I saw last year was success for Josh Downs when they started targeting him. You saw a lot of rapport with him and Gardner Minshew, a lot of first downs had, a lot of touchdowns had. He had a little bit of a banged up injury issue during the middle of the season, which is concerning based off of his overall mold. But with $59 million in cap space in Indianapolis, they're a team that I expect to both retain Michael Pittman Jr. as well as probably bring in another option. The constant trope in Indianapolis is bringing in another tight end because that's just what they need. But if they were to bring in a Gerald Everett or a guy like Noah Fant, it would probably help the offense underneath a lot more than what they're getting from their current tight ends. But this is a team that I think could actively and aggressively go after T Higgins in a trade to kind of pair up T Higgins with Michael Pittman. And then you're left with Josh Downs as the underneath. You would have two towering guys on the outside, great movers deep and underneath on the X and flanker role with the Pittman and Higgins. The only concern you would have would be you're probably paying close to, if not over $20 million for both of their services, which we saw how that worked out in the chargers offense. If there's one injury, then the money just gets lit on fire. I don't see a lot of post hype increase for Josh Downs. I have a lot of exposure to him already, but I'm not probably actively going after him. It hurts to say because he's one of my favorite players. It's just with the cap situation, what we've heard about them wanting to bring in more options for Anthony Richardson and just kind of my concern for the overall passing ability of Anthony Richardson coming off of a shoulder injury when he was already not the best passer kind of stops down on a guy who's an underneath separator in Josh Downs who probably doesn't get the target value. Finish the season as 57 wide receiver, 57 on half points PPR average, but it's probably going to be in that range going forward. It sucks. Love him. Wish I could hype him up more, but I cannot do it. Another wide receiver we already talked about a little bit down in Arizona is Michael Wilson. Right now, projected to most likely be the wide receiver one on that team, not how it is going to end. Um, The team that makes the most sense to bring in Marvin Harrison Jr. based off of draft selection, based off of projection first couple of picks in the NFL draft, is Arizona. That would keep him in the wide receiver two position. But as long as Kyler's there, I do have a lot of hope for him. The biggest concern I would have is that they use the money as opposed to retaining a guy like Marquise Brown to bring in a guy like Calvin Ridley or a guy like Curtis Samuel, a better underneath separator, and who has a little bit more of a healthy upside. Um, If Calvin Ridley were to come in, that would tank Michael Wilson's value. And they're a team that if they're trying to build around this offense and truly double down on Kyler, that's the type of move you make. You bring in Marvin Harrison Jr., you bring in Calvin Ridley, you then have a wide receiver trio with Kyler Murray to hopefully combat and aggressively attack the rest of the NFC West. Um, you're not going to fix the defensive efficiencies deficiencies overnight. You're not going to fix the offensive line overnight. So there are a lot of question marks that you have around this situation. But when it comes to bringing in a wide receiver, I think it's inevitably going to happen, whether or not it is a top end wide receiver in the NFL draft or in free agency. So you just kind of have to keep your eyes open for what to expect at the next level here. And Michael Wilson, unfortunately, is not someone I can tell you to go buy. I was on him quite a bit last season, um, just not really looking like a big outlook of bump situation in 2024. And then the last player I will talk about is the only tight end of note on here. Um, 
probably the biggest riser in value you're going to see. Um, he, this is the definition of a post hype sleeper is what this player is. Um, I hate talking about it, but it's Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo. They are $51 million over the cap. There is an out in Dalton Knox's contract this season to let him go. The snaps and splits with Knox in and out of the game are pretty drastic for Kincaid. There's question marks about them letting a guy like Stefan Diggs go due to the cap situation, and they already are letting Gabe Davis know. If you're looking at the t- return on target investment that you're going to get from Dalton Kincaid, there's few people I would be going after more aggressively than him. And honestly, they may bring in a tight end again, but this is the type of team that brings in a journeyman tight end like a Ross Dwelly to be a blocking guy in two tight end situations and just fully commits to Dalton Kincaid on the field as an underneath and slot pass catcher. Um, Your biggest competitions right now are as if you keep Stefan Diggs and you keep uh, Khalil Shakir. Um, But with those two options, we know that Josh Allen loves to sling the ball. Kincaid is just a screaming buy right now. Like I said, I'm keeping my eye on a guy like Stefan Diggs. Draft protection, they may use their first-round pick on a guy at wide receiver, but it's not the type of wide receiver at the back end of the first that's going to dominate targets as a rookie unless he really separates himself in camp. So Dalton Kincaid is a screaming buy. And at a guy that finished at tight end 15 and half-point PPR points per game, it's pretty solid. So those have been the 14 players that I'm keeping my eyes on. Um, you can call it a hot seat. You can call it a one and dones. Uh, when it comes to the upside that I see at position, there's only actually five on the list that I'm actually buying into the hype a little bit on. Uh, that'd be Dalton Kincaid, Marvin Mims, Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo, and Tajay Spears. Everyone else is unfortunately just kind of going to the wayside. This happens every year. The hit percentage is typically 20%, and it's looking like it's about to be about 20% on these first round through three round guys. So just something to consider. Um, I will be deep diving now going forward into this 2024 rookie class, but I wanted to touch on the beginning aspects of free agency. So in the next couple of weeks, you'll hear me talk about free agency, um, the shakeups and the teams that will be aggressive in free agency versus those that will wait for the draft based off of both draft capital as well as need and viability basically of the position in the NFL draft. So stay tuned for those before we start diving into team by team breakdowns and stuff like that. As we progress, there's a lot of guests already lined up. So this offseason should be pretty fun y'all, but this has been the rookie rundown um, talking about the one and done rookies of the 2023 draft class, the outlook of free agency for these teams and just kind of a little primer episode before I start diving in heavily until next week, everyone have a good one and go chiefs with the super bowl victory. That's right. We got a repeat for the first time since 2004, pretty wild as a secondary vicarious chiefs fan here living in Kansas city. Um, It's just been fun. I'll talk to you guys later. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.